0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about briefly um, the Titans' victory over the Raiders, and then we're going to be talking about um, this Ryan Tannehill and the tweet that wasn't. Um, one of the things that I said about Ryan Tannehill back in May or June was that you know the Tennessee Titans acquiring him, he will be the X Factor. Um, him and whoever plays the nose tackle position um, later on in the season. And, you know, if we actually look at how that panned out, Jeffrey Simmons and, you know, obviously Ryan Tannehill finally took over, you know, as the starting quarterback. So, you know, um, we'll get into the Raiders game briefly and then I, and I'll circle back to that point that I just made about Ryan Tannehill and the X-Factor tweet that wasn't, but it's still in my drafts from May or June. And then as well as just some of the the quarterbacks that will be available in free agency, just briefly the big names, a couple guys not going in, into depth right now. but and So we'll talk about that in depth um, later on. But right now we're going to be talking about the Raiders game, um, how easily the game flowed, in my opinion, in terms of, you know, Um, how the Tennessee Titans moved the football, how they were able to run the ball, control the clock. Um, I felt like watching this game and just prior to it, I felt like, you know, Ryan Tannehill might struggle early and, you know, and usually the Tennessee Titans make adjustments at the second half and really, um, and really kind of put their, you know, put the pedal to the metal in the second half. They're a really good team at adjusting. You know, that's something that, I've always respected about, you know, that Patriots franchise. It seems like they'll be a, a totally different team um, in the second half than they were in the first. And it's just because of making adjustments and having that game plan. A lot of the time, a lot of times in the first half, you want to set people up with different looks. And then in the second half, do something, uh, make it look the same, but do something different off of it. And I think the Titans do a great job at that, um, you know, outside of the early um, gaffe of, you know, Um, the tip ball turning into an interception and then you know Ryan Tannehill having to tackle tackle the defensive tackle yards down the field Um, other than that you know on those type of screen passes that are quick and then everybody's kind of flailing their arms vertically Um, you know I like my quarterbacks to kind of change their launch point or just throw it into the ground you know you, you know I would say you know to do the hop pass where you kind of try to get some elevation to kind of get the ball, hook the ball over the arms or even sidewind it, you know, but it's, it's difficult to do. I think he had actually two defenders coming at him, you know, at that point you're trying to make a play, but, you know, throw it into the ground. I think that, that, that's a, that's a good thing. And another thing with Ryan Tanner is he never gives up on a play in terms of, you know, if it's a second reactionary play and, you know, you know, whether or not he, he can throw it away or just kind of do it. I would like to see him, kind of do the whole the old good old you know Peyton Manning fall you know that's one of the reasons why you know other than his big major injury Peyton Manning did an excellent job of just falling down he knew the player was over why stand up why take a beating why possibly possibly be stripped of the football so that's something that Ryan Tannehill can improve upon but you know right now he's super hot six one six and one over the over the past seven games and you know, since he's become starter, and he's playing lights out, and that's something that it always kind of it, not baffles me. But for the people that were at the training camp practices, which was I was there, you know, I saw during the red zone periods how how much more decisive Ryan Tannehill was and Marcus Mariota. It actually looked like the a, a true NFL offense when he was in. You know, throwing darts in the red zone, lots of heat, lots of velocity, and then then every other time you just saw him in that leadership, you know, role and that leadership. He had just had that leadership presence, and that's what I told some of, you know, some other some some of the guys, in, you know, that beat right for the Tennessee Titans. Like this guy's a leader, and this is a story that you. That you can have before everyone else but that's not kind of that's not kind of how beat writing goes that they're kind of you know they kind of have a structure there they they report for the team they're not trying to you know break news or or try to be that guy Um, but in terms of you know they better be glad I'm not a journalist because I certainly would have been on this story way earlier and but I understand there's a structure there's a form there's whatever you have to go through but you know, I saw this coming a mile away. As soon, soon as they got Ryan Tannehill, I knew that he would be the guy. But it was during a time, and this is a part of this, my main reason why I'm making this podcast is, it was during a time where, you know, I was really trying to, you know, connect with the fan base. And a lot of the fan base, obviously, you know, they're Marcus Mariota fans. And I didn't want to say that at that time um, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he's really going to be the guy, you know, you don't know this, but he's going to be the guy. And and I, and, and I, and I say this to myself and remind myself, I will not withhold that type of information anymore, just simply because it makes me feel good to have already said it and stated it, and at least truly put it on wax, you know, documented it, you know, as opposed to not. And then, you know, you never know, because a lot of people don't know this, and it's not really a big deal, and I'm not trying to make it be a big deal, but you know, um, the Tennessee Titans, whether it be coaches, PR people, um, you know, I don't know, less le- less players that I've seen on my page, but I former players do, but less active players. I see coaches and maybe PR people are on my page more than you think like during my videos you can obviously see who views your videos and there's been you know some coaches viewing my videos not saying that I influenced them in any way but the some of the ideas being implemented with the Tennessee Titans it can't be a coincidence everything can't be a coincidence I'm not saying that they're stealing from me I'm not saying whatever but anybody can spark an idea and one of the things that said that if I would have you know, boosted Ryan Tannehill a little bit more. And everything that I do is for the betterment of, you know, Titans football in Nashville. So, who knows, if I would have upped him more, made maybe a thread of why he should be the starting quarterback, Tennessee Titans might have started him sooner. I'm not saying that I have that type of pull or influence, but it's a situation where, you know, who knows if if there are coaches that are on my page every now and again, who knows You know, you know, some of the changes that's been made in the past month, it's eerily similar to some of the things that I said in my game plan, as well as what I've been tweeting. So it's like, are we just coming to the realization, you know, or or are they coming to the realization at the same time that I'm tweeting it? So it's kind of odd in in that aspect. But, um, you know, that's one of the things that I don't want to, you know, do again, withhold that type of information to, you know, um, not affect the feelings of the people that are, um, you know, fans of a player that I'm talking about that should probably be the second stringer, you know, it's not, it's not that serious. This is that that would that move him starting from the get go would have been the best move for the Tennessee Titans because he's the better quarterback. But I understand there were their rumblings of, you know, they wanted to see it through with um Marcus Mariota, give him his due diligence, but at the end of the day you want to win. And I figured that that was gonna be the case, you know, trying to 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 make this work with Marcus Mariota and, and having a good insur- insurance, you know, quarterback with Ryan Tannehill, but I understand it. I mean I understand what Ryan Ryan Tannehill is, first and foremost. You know, Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, I've always been a fan of Ryan Tannehill from afar. Uh, with Miami during his hot streaks, being able to beat New England. Um, for most people don't know that. With Ryan Tanner, a quarterback, the Dolphins have pulled off a, a couple to a few upsets versus New England while he's been you know, the quarterback there. Just just when he's hot, he's a great quarterback, and I've, I saw that from afar. A lot of people don't know that, but the thing is, is the injuries. So when I was making my game plan and trying to, you know, who could I acquire, I ran across his name and it took me, you know, you know, a good few days to a week. Like, you know, is this a type of guy that we should go after? But after I just thought about it, I was like, yes, if we acquired him, he would give a starter level impact. And really, when you're thinking about a season, you can't predict everything. You don't have even the medical records or, or of these players. But I just thought if if one of our main quarterbacks and Marcus Mariota, he has an injury history. How much sense would it make to acquire a quarterback who also has an injury history as well? But then if you actually look at the injuries, um, you know, he, he is built a little bit thin in the lowers, but at the same time, it's not like soft tissue injuries like Marcus Mariota. So it's like, Can this guy withstand this? And if we can just get eight good games out of him, right, if you can just get eight good games out of him, that's eight games of above level um, quarterback play. So it was a good move by J-Rob. It was it was it was one to where I was like, uh, do I get him? What is the compensation that's going to be? you know, used in order to acquire him. And then I was going to think, okay, if I do need a bridge gap quarterback, am I going to be really overpaying for it for a guy that's just, you know, kind of injury prone. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, everybody's one play away. But at the end of the day, there's a history there. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't really pull the trigger in my game plan for Ryan Tannehill, especially with free agent quarterbacks available like Tyrod Taylor, who I believe at he has the ability to do some of the same things that Ryan Tannehill is doing right now. Um, you know, um, you know, obviously he's a backup with the charges right now, um, you know, and other, other guys. I mean, uh, Ryan Tannehill has, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been here before and we know that he's a, you know, he's hot and, and he's either super hot and or Arctic cold, but he's a guy that can, can, can move an offense as well but no, there's no question got to give Ryan Tannehill his props and uh you know you know just segue in into into um some of the bigger names that people are still kind of hoping out for because they're they're still kind of just using the name like if Tom Brady still gets here forget Tannehill or they they have the ideology of these are hall of fame quarterbacks that I'm about to say Tom Brady and Philip Rivers, who will be, you know, free agents um, in March. So it's a situation where with Tom Brady, you get prestige. With Phillip Rivers, you get pizzazz. Um, and with Ryan Tannehill, you get practicality. So just from the standpoint, of like acquiring Tom Brady, I mean, you look at his skill set right now. What is what is the the best aspect of of Tom Brady? Is his preparation, and you know, he's seen every single type of defense. Um, he still can throw the ball. You know, it's not you know I'm not expecting it to have the zip it had on on it seven years ago. Um, but he can still throw. But he's going to be one year older, a lot more hits accumulated by then and who knows what happens before it happens you know before a free agency happens you can talk about philip rivers who's had some of the most poor stretches of quarterback play this season by any quarterback um and you you talk about i've always thought of thought this about philip rivers is there he is so set in his ways in terms of habits and you know when he gets into the offense, he really has to get into it because his his game is so much predicated on you know um timing um and anticipatory type of throws, like his game isn't you know he doesn't have a pack and play type of game he has to really embed himself into offense for a couple years to see results and when you're what thirty seven thirty eight however old he is. You don't have time to, to you know, the Tennessee types aren't signing you to a three year deal and say, OK, by year two or three, he's going to get this offense down. Patton's going to be clicking like how it's been for the charges for the past, you know, 15 years. You know, that's not the case here in Tennessee. So that's why I'm like, you're going to get pizzazz. You got Phillip Rivers returning to the south you know, he's going to relate to a lot of people. You got Tom Brady coming in here and he's going to get so much press and, you know, prestige to the organization. But at the end of the day, is it, you know, a true fit? You know, but you, then you have Ryan Tannehill, which was, like I said, an excellent move, an excellent risk. Because at the end of the day, he he's the best. When he was a backup, he was the best backup in the league. And now that he's a starter, he's one of the best starters in the league. So it's like, And when he played in Miami, in my opinion, when healthy, he was a top ten quarterback. Then, you know, I didn't obviously I I didn't talk about him because I was, you know, um, I I follow the Titans, but I've always watched from afar. I was like, this guy slowly at first it was like, okay, you know, quarter um, a former wide receiver coming in quarterback, he has some learning to do, and then it was like always like a gradual progression. His growth chart has always been pointing up. It's just that the injury is always like, oh, this guy just can't catch a break. Like, what's wrong with you know? You start asking those type of questions, but it was an excellent move. Um, and you know, to close, you know, I think I've covered pretty much everything that I said I was going to cover. But you know, overall, I, I certainly think you know, I always come out with my game plan. I, I, I'm not sure necessarily if I, I'm, I'll, right now it makes sense. Yes, resign Tanner Hill. You know, the Titans have, you know, funds to to, to kind of not necessarily set the market, but follow the market for what Ryan Tannehill will be worth when you do the number crunching. So it's not like you feel like you're overpaying the guy because he's playing at, at, at an uh, above average to almost elite level as a quarterback right now. One of the best, you know, quarterbacks in the league right at this moment because um, quarterback play right now is really just up and down the the most consistent figure in the NFL right now is Lamar Jackson. Everybody else is kind of up and down and then after Lamar Jackson, I mean, who can I mean, who else is playing close to Ryan Tannehill's level? So, I I don't refrain from saying elite right now at this moment as of December 8th. So, um yeah, I mean, just looking at this situation, um you know, it, it's ideal for the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, that's just something that, you know, we'll go over when I get closer to that, you know, 2020 Titans game plan. But just to close, you know, I posted something on my Twitter at BU underscore scouting to where if you guys follow me, you know that, you know, I had some guys that I wanted to draft live. And then I kind of had my game plan of how everything go- goes. Just to recap, Tennessee Titans free agency was like I said, eerily similar to mine, and I, I, I kind of did mine before they made the signings. That's Adam Humphreys, um, you know, Roger Sappho, re-signed the Vaccaro, um, almost the numbers of Kevin Bayard, you know, uh, very similar on his extension. Um, you know, even tweeted live hours before they actually did go after Cameron Wake and signed him that he'd be an excellent signing, Um, um, you know, just things that, you know, panned out, free agency couldn't, couldn't have been better for the Tennessee Titans in terms of finding needs in certain personality types to fit that team, because I put in a lot of work on the, not only the, the analytics, what PFF says, or something like that, I also go into depth with chemistry, Did this player fix? you know fit this locker room and not only from how a team does it but you know what does he really provide not just if he's a good guy or you know if he's funny but if what does he really provide as a leader and I think the Tennessee Titans had one of the best free agencies you then you go to the draft they had very high value picks because it was a very parody filled draft meaning that you know um a lot of great players were drafted late just simply because there were a lot of good players there was a lot of fluff as well but the parody of it was was very bad one of the more parody field drafts i've ever been a part of because just like you know you could be in round four and you had so many different type of players to choose from and you really just had to choose the right guy you know if you look at since titans choosing jeffrey simmons i went for jerry tillery reason being was you was going to get production from Jerry Tillery a lot earlier and I know how important to get those wins earlier in the season is and just getting some type of production from your first round pick having that sense of urgency meant something to me the Tennessee Titans obviously said okay we're gonna stick with this guy we kind of have an idea when he's going to be available he's he's a top five talent in the whole draft that was the main thing you know he was the BPA period Regardless of ACL, he was the BPA, best player available, in the Tennessee Titans did it, and that's benefiting them there. But the production that Jerry Tillery would have provided early in the season, can't forget that. Tennessee Titans chose A.J. Brown. I chose J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. A.J. Brown had a huge game versus the Raiders, five touchdowns, I mean, five catches A buck fifty, I think, close to it in two touchdowns, including a 91 yarder. So, you know, there's no question he's out, he's he's balling. And, you know, part of J.J. Orsega's watch or Sega Whiteside's um, issue or Ortega Whiteside um, with the Spanish tongue is, you know, obviously there's a systematic issue there in terms of. Who's getting the touches? He, he came to a situation with Alshon Jeffrey, uh, um, Deshaun Jackson at the time, Nelson Aguilar. So he had a, f- a lot more guys to kind of beat out in camp. Um, be- I mean, him and A.J. Brown ran the same 40. They, they're 4-4 guys, four four nine guys. And um, the difference between both of them was, was the precision of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for me, was a lot more appealing than the athletic enamor and the body type because the thing about it is with A.J. Brown is a lot of times those guys with that type of body type, they they, they kind of not necessarily have an injury-riddled career, but it's tough to, to kind of protect them from themselves because they're so physically imposing. And a guy like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, all I needed was situational football from him. You know, I didn't need, you know, in my opinion, I know it sounds like you're not going for the gusto by just getting an all-around talent. But what's an all-around talent if he's injured, if he ends up being his own worst enemy in terms of how he plays the game? And I'm not saying, A.J. Brown, I'm telling you, it was very close. Like, between, J. J., I was literally saying A.J. Brown or this guy. And then a, a close third was, um, uh, his name is slipping me right now. Wide um, right receiver for the Cardinals. Andy Isabella. Isabella. And it was like those three. And I was like, A.J. Brown. I then i hear me a close. I was like, D- Andy Isabella, smaller player. You know, you got to be more precise. We don't necessarily have precise quarterbacks. You know, uh, well, the our starter isn't. You got to be really pinpoint with smaller guys. So, I'm like, A.J. Brown, J.J. The catch range of both are well, but J.J. arcega whiteside is known for his jump ball 50-50 ability. You know, A.J. Brown is very athletic. He's He looks, you know, when he's running, it doesn't seem like he's very fast, but he gets to places quickly. So I went with arcega whiteside simply because of, um, I think that, yes, this is not his year, but over time, he he won't be like, you know, People really sleep on his speed, but, you know, I don't think he would necessarily be an A.J. Brown type, but definitely, like, his his comp for me was Miles Austin, a guy that's just going to keep uh, keep the chains moving and be a productive player in this league. Then you look at the third-round picks, um, you know, they went with Nate Davis. You know, I went with DeAndre Walker, which they eventually took in the fifth, um, who's on RR right now. But Nate Davis, to me, was you know, late fourth, fifth round talent. So guys that were available, I've already documented this, is Bobby Evans, who's playing very well, you know, at right tackle, and he can kick inside for the Rams right now. And and then, you know, other guys, I mentioned Ross Piercebacher, but Bobby Evans would have prevailed there. And Michael Dieter, who got picked a few picks earlier than Nate Davis, really liked Dieter. He's on the Dolphins right now. Um fourth round they picked um Amani Hooker who literally another one of those guys this is how parody feels usually me and the Titans were so far off on players but literally when I was writing up the board because all of these picks I did live before the Titans actually selected them so that accountability was there I did it live I uh, I let it be done live right before the pick and Travion Williams was my pick and the reason why I did Travion was just simply just to have you know, uh, a player behind Derrick Henry that could complement him well. Great in pass pro ability to um, – still has the ability to take – take, you know, take uh, – get a touchdown from any part of the field with Travion. So just a guy that I felt like having depth at running back. And I think as the season progresses that that depth at running back will soon become an importance. Um, and Armani Hooker, like I said, he he was a great player. I was like he was – like in my notes it was like he's so much like a a, a a a patriots type of player and when I with the thought about when I say patriots type of player that a lot of people who follow me know patriots type of player is a player that um you know is very disciplined tough um makes intellectual plays um is very aware and that was a money hooker so it was a great value pick back to back other than Nick Davis and I hate to say it or make it sound like I'm just really down on Nate Davis. I really liked him as a developmental prospect later in the round. Like, if they would have, you know, waited, you know, maybe went with Bobby Evans there and maybe got him later if he was available, it wouldn't seem that bad. But it is what it is. Fourth round, they, um, I already said fourth, right? Uh Fifth round, they ended up getting, um, uh, who did they? DeAndre Walker, so IR for him, and then my pick was Dennis Daly, um, who's having an excellent season with the the Panthers right now at left tackle. Um, you know, top ten, top fifteen guard. I mean, at offensive lineman, period, in the league right now. Um, and he can even kick inside, so he's pretty much a swing guy that can play pretty much all the positions on the field, other than I've seen center, but I'm pretty sure he could pull that off as well player that's just playing at a high level the Tennessee Titans certainly could have used this year with their problems in pass protection. And then you have, finally, they went with David Long, Jr., who, you know, I saw at the Senior Bowl um, uh, in terms of tape and really liked his game. Um, Just a torpedo, a heat-seeking missile. um, Very physical type of player. So, it wasn't one that I was like him or this player, but it was a player that I could see why they selected him. Um, so I could see why like a reserve interior linebacker, they believe that the game at interior linebacker is coming down to more short guys that can move and cover guys better um, instead of the traditional. Because inside linebackers used to be a traditional 6'2", 240 standard. You know, now it's going to more of a six foot two. 25 to 230 type of look, and that's to cover guys better, move, find holes, and and really penetrate And attacking. Really want physical guys that can make tackles. um And then I went with a, a guy that had got got in some trouble in college midway through his senior year, and kind of has been blackballed from. Every pretty much every league, but I would have taken a chance on them, and that's you, you've already heard a lot about them. Cavante Turpin from TCU, just an electrifying player. You watch, you actually watch tape when I go back. They're filled with like just freakishly fast players at TCU. So if the Tennessee Titans, you know, in the 2020 draft, you know, want to really look at some of the speed in this, in this, you know, in the in the farm that you have with college football, man, TCU has some burners, and Cavante Turbin was one of those guys, kind of light, you know, 160, 165. But I, I would have, you know, I had a game plan for this pick, to be completely honest, if I was in that position. You know, a lot of times we see what people do, we write them off. We are so judgmental. We care about the PR, but the Tennessee Titans have no business caring about, you know, PR with their first-round pick. And and that's, I'm not being negative at all. I understand. You know, people make mistakes, and and you and and you, you can you change, you justify whatever you want to call it. But if he's being blackballed because of PR, it's really ridiculous. Because I mean, you have to have a plan, and maybe they thought the talent didn't didn't wasn't that good to even you know outweigh the PR that will come with it. Maybe that's their opinion. But with me, I feel like he's the type of player that Khalif Raymond is. He's, he's the exact type to the effect of what they're doing with Khalif Raymond and the fact that they, in their mind, they had Khalif Raymond. They thought that, you know, they, they like Khalif Raymond's talent because let's not get this mistaken. We've had several players that, we've, that has come on the Titans that had a similar skill set to Khalif and who really thought that Khalif Raymond would be what he is now. And really what he is, he's a guy that gets the ball um, on a handful of plays, whether it be kick return, punt return, and now, you know, jet sweeps and, and deep shots right now. You know, not necessarily a gadget player, but a guy that provides a speed element to that offense special teams. But nobody before the season thought that. So it's like getting Kevontae Turpin, why all of a sudden, you know, I implanted that. I'm not going to say I did it, but the Tennessee Titans have never been known to do this. There is in no reality what Khalif Raymond had been because he had been on the roster before. Why didn't you use him then? But now all of a sudden you're using him. So it's like they understood that that was an element that needed. And you can live and you learn, but it didn't happen until I said it so there, to me, in my opinion, Kavante Terp and Kalief Raymond have very similar skill sets and how they will be used in the next level. And people act like, okay, he's small, he's 165. You act like the guy can't get in the NFL weight room, put on 10 more pounds, and then he's then he's a glorified Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill or Jakeem Grant, you know, and it, it's just really ridiculous. Um, that he's that he's not getting an opportunity, even in XFL, like literally, it's it's, it's crazy. But you know, I, that's something that I would I was thinking about. So a lot of times I say when I'm making selections, yes, hold me accountable for the players, but it's not always the players. It's the mindset, right? My mindset before my mindset before this season started was protect the quarterback, get after the quarterback. Provide, make your offense make sense. So if you're a physical run football team, at the time before I even said this, the Tennessee Titans did not even have a traditional blocking tight end or fullback on the roster. But then once I said, stated it on Twitter, that how can you be an offense but you do not have a traditional blocker on your team, they went out and got one. Then when I said you needed to add a speed element to the team, Right after I said that, they started using Khalif Raymond more. So we're either having, like, you know, un- other world leads, uh, telekinesis, or they see what I'm saying and they're making adjustments. Just like right before the C- C- Carolina Panthers game, what would you say is the biggest anomaly of the season, right? To most people is. The usage of Deion Lewis in the Carolina Panthers game. Right before that game, I said that the Tennessee Titans should implement. Didn't say feature him. I think he had 25 snaps that game. I was thinking 15 or 10, but they kind of went overboard. But right before that game, I said, you should use Deion Lewis more. And I think I tagged Coach Vrabel and a couple more guys on the team. And that game, the biggest anomaly of the year, they overused Deion Lewis. To me, you could say, oh, coincidence, coincidence, all day, times 10. To me, somebody's listening. Somebody's watching something. Um, You know, if they win the Super Bowl, they owe me one. You know, I, and I say that half joke and half truth because, you know, and, and a lot of people want to say, okay, you take credit for when they do something good, but you don't take credit for when they do something bad. Uh, because when they do something bad is usually, and then, and I'm not being... You know, um overly proud or arrogant here is when they don't do something when they do something bad is usually because they di- didn't do something that I, that I've suggested now, if they go wholeheartedly with the squad that they have now doing the things that they're doing, yes, you can critique what they did in the game to lose or something like that, but as of right now, they have almost every element needed. The only thing other that I would say is with Corey Davis. To Be even more explosive in a wrinkle when other things aren't going right that they currently have going is using Corey Davis, um, in a way almost like a glorified tight end, you know, in the middle of the field more as opposed to the outside of the field because Corey Davis has good size, um, he has good uh catch and traffic ability, um, so. And you, I'm not. You're missing that presence to a degree with Delaney Walker not there. So employing Corey Davis over the middle of the field as a glorified tight end, hell, even lining him up at that position sometimes, he's not small, you know. And just really having him attack from the inside a little bit more, I think that's a, a that's one wrinkle that you could use. Another another wrinkle would be, um, um, is. You know, I really wish there was maybe another speed back, but, you know, all the good running backs are already taken. But really, I would say on offense, certainly employing Corey Davis a little bit more over the middle of the field is the next kind of wrinkle they could add to the offense. It's always an ever-developing plan with this team, but, you know, that's really, you know, it, man. Um, Titans are rolling. They deserve it. They put in the work. Um, they have the Texans twice in the next three weeks. Um, this next up, upco- you know, upcoming Sunday they play them at home at noon, and then the season finale they play in Houston, which probably will be flex if they are able to win. You know, at least one of these next two games in between, sandwich in between those, they have the Saints at home as well, who just dropped forty-five on the Saints, but lost. They're a team that, um, you know, has some great weapons um, have has great tempo to their offense, Um, you know, uh, despite dropping 48, getting 48 points, getting dropped on them. Their defense is uh, solid overall, usually so, but it's gonna be at home and, you know, it's gonna be in December and we'll see how that game goes. But first things first, the Texans, just just an exciting time for for them, happy for those guys. So just uh, hopefully they can find a way to keep it rolling. And I'm gonna keep doing me. So, um, guys, thanks for tuning in and watching, or viewing, or not watching or viewing, but listening to this uh, podcast, Barnes University Radio. Thanks a lot, you guys. Um, you know, God bless, happy holidays, and uh, tighten up.